This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Cindy Yu and I'm joined by James Forsyth and Fraser Nelson. The Sucre report was released last week when there didn't seem to be an immediate action. But over the weekend, there seems to have been a bit more trickling of letters going into Sir Graham Brady. James, can you talk us through this? Because there wasn't much of a reaction when the Grey report hit last week, but you write in your column for the upcoming issue of The Spectator that movement is happening behind the scenes. So what Boris Johnson doesn't face is a kind of organised attempt to topple him. Over the weekend, I got in touch with a few people who'd written letters and it seemed very... They, they hadn't spoken to others. They just made their own mind up. And you see this in the type of people who are coming out. This is not a ideologically driven group. You know, so you've got Bob Neill, a kind of lawyer who campaigned for Remain, and Steve Baker, who's a libertarian Brexiteer. This makes it very difficult to guess where the next letter is coming from for number 10, because this discontent spans all wings of the party and, and all intakes. And so I think there is now a growing chance that you at some point can almost accidentally hit the 54 letters. Now, maybe that is after these two by-elections in Wakefield and Tiverton and Honiton. You know, if the Tories lose both of those, I think that could spook a lot of Tory MPs, particularly uh, Wakefield, because that would be a kind of red wall seat going back to Labour. Tiverton and Honiton, because that is like one of these, a bit like North Shropshire, it's a very safe rural Tory seat, or wherever Lib Dems will have come from nowhere to take it. The Tory majority is currently kind of 24,000. And so I think that is the danger for Boris Johnson right now, is that, that this isn't, you know, in some ways, if you are a Prime Minister and you're facing an organised plot against you, you have a chance of trying to get ahead of that plot. You know, can you kind of peel off some of the plotters? Can you work out who they're going to go to next? This is much more random than that, and that makes it harder to deal with. Fraser, what's going on behind the scenes uh, in two rooms and now that MPs are back in their constituencies for recess, that means that they're doing this over time because it seems like there's not a catalyst per se. I think they were all waiting for somebody to raise the signal of rebellion and that didn't happen. A lot of people want Boris Johnson to go and they were simply thinking, OK, what's the point in putting in my signature now? Mm. It's far better if I wait until there's a concerted campaign so the timing is right because if you're going to depose a leader, then timing is all. Now, that didn't happen. Rishi Sunak has now spectacularly fallen from grace. I think he's now the sixth or seventh favourite. He used to be the first. And there hasn't really been, other than Jeremy Hunt's book launch, there hasn't been much sign from any other would-be successor. So what you're instead getting are these kind of discoordinated cries of despair. You're getting various MPs thinking, I'm just not going to win my seat with this guy. You had a poll from YouGov at the weekend suggesting the Tories would keep only one of the 88 battleground Mm. seats. Boris Johnson himself would lose his seat. And you're getting MPs thinking, well, right now there isn't a concerted alternative, but, you know, a gamble would be better than what we have. So you're seeing dribs and drabs, and you're seeing attempts to gauge how many signatures there are. Um, you had an attempt by the BBC this morning, as I put the figure, just about 40. So it's now a lot more plausible than it used to be that we might one day wake up to find ourselves with the number of signatures needed for a leadership bid, and then the Tories forced to act. 
Now, this might end badly, but there hasn't really been any sort of coordinated alternative. And this, so we're now in a very strange, I wouldn't quite call it a sudden death. I would say it's unpredictable. I also think that Rishi Sunak's intervention last week was really dismaying for a lot of people who had backed Boris Johnson, mm. myself included. You, you started to think, well, you know what, it's, we were stupid really to believe, but they were raising taxes in order to cut them, doing mm. left, left-wing things in order to do right-wing things. It, the future, as far as the eye can see, is one of high tax, high spend, and no real plausible moment in the next two years where Conservatives might come in and introduce the agenda they promised at the last general election. And I am now hearing what James was hearing and writing about a few weeks ago, which is Tories thinking, you know what, we deserve to lose the next election. And what's more, I want us to lose the next Mm. election, because I think that only the, this is what the Tories are saying, that I think that only the experience of defeat will force us to shake us out of our complacency, to stop us copying Labour policies and start to come up with an alternative. Now, I don't know how many Tories are wishing for this kind of political suicide, but if enough of them want it to happen, it will. I think one of the things that has created this randomness is that Tory MPs have tried to come agree, oh, when, when is the moment when you'd be most likely to win a no-confidence vote? And that always argues for delay. And why don't you wait until after the Privileges Committee? Is, that, that might persuade some more. Mm. And I think what's happened is people have just decided that you know they're never going to agree on this. And so they are just individually saying, all oh, right, I'll send my letter in. And I mean, that that is dangerous for, for number 10. And then, I mean, I think the other danger for them is this sense of, you know, what are the other compelling things that you are doing that justify this? And I, mean, it was, I thought this weekend just gone it was strange you know the government just made a massive intervention yeah you know 21 billion pounds to try and help with the cost of living you know and i thought it was odd how quiet number 10 were about that now maybe that's because reasons fraser referred to but they're right, are... trying to fight it though james isn't it? But my reading of the quiet was the fact that number 10 were opposing what they ended up doing and of course they what, in terms of the windfall tax yeah windfall tax yeah they said that there were there were figures in number 10 james might correct me if i'm wrong here who thought this was you know why would a conservative party adopt labor language and talk about punishing bad companies and you know there is this would be ideological not just ideologically but politically it would seem to be the adopting the arguments for language and the tactics of your opponents and therefore a conservative government shouldn't do this now this was the case for about 10 days there was tension between number 10 and the treasury and the treasury eventually won now boris johnson himself uh, in cabinet wasn't you know miffed about this he was quite in- not quite enthusiastic as rishi sunak was but he was nonetheless saying this was the right thing to do but i think number 10 as an institution kind of lost the argument over the windfall tax which to me explained the quietness but but if you're going to do it you might like you know this was never a policy that was going to be hugely popular among more ideological conservatives or or conservatives but it is clearly going to be i think it will be popular with the public and it seems to be very odd to do something like that and then not talk about it because especially because if you are going to expend this much fiscal firepower on a policy you want to ensure that you get value for money in, in the political sense and I think that seems to me a strange there was a you know, and I think it allowed the government to look very trivial talking about you know imper- bringing back imperial measurements right <laughs> when actually they had done now you you ideologically don't agree with it and I, and I totally respect your position but the point is they had done something significant and they just they, and it seems to be it seems to be odd that they were not talking about that policy when I mean, that would have actually enabled them to say, look, we, we do have things that we want to do. And, you know, this cost of living crisis is going to be 
hugely severe. And so we are taking action now to try and help families get through it. It, it seemed to me a kind of an, a missed an odd missed opportunity. Yeah. And instead, James, over the weekend, the papers more about this Carrie Johnson gathering that happened in the number 10 flat, possible number 10 pressure on a Sue Gray report. Do you think those are the kind of revelations that are tipping MPs over? Or is it, as Fraser says, that more of these kind of ideological issues are getting involved as well, which is actually probably more dangerous for number 10, because it's a question about Boris Johnson's ideology and policies? I think the problem is Tory MPs just want this story to go away. And they have wanted this story to go away for quite some time. I mean, the problem for this with this weekend's papers for Downing Street is, you know, it's not gone away. Mm. You know, the idea was that, you know, Sue Gray report would come out and then Boris Johnson would apologise and then you could move on. Instead, the Sue Gray report has come out and there's not only a row about the report, but there's, you know, all sorts of... Everyone's moves on to the next investigation, which yeah. is this kind of House of Commons Privileges Committee look. And I think the more that Tory MPs feel that they can't shake this, the more despondency you will get. I think that the Kerry story might have a little bit more longer to run. The, the reports, of course, of her being airbrushed out of the original report. Another, and my sense is this is the one part of this Partygate investigation where I think, had ironically, had Sue Gray's report mentioned in full the various parties that did or didn't happen up in the number 10 flat, there might be less being said now about Carrie Johnson's role in this and her, her modus operandi. So I do think this will linger. I mean, we're already getting briefings that the Prime Minister was joking about putting down the dog that they have together in the weekend Allegedly press. not the first time he's made that joke. What do you make about that, James? Does it strike you as plausible? You know, you were saying, can somebody shut that dog up? Boris Johnson was saying, can somebody put it down? Can I dispatch somebody to kill it? Um, and uh, an, a military advisor offering to do it, apparently. I, I, I'm not an expert on dog management, I must say. <sighs> but the thing is, does he like the dog or not? That's the big question. That I have no idea about. That is, you know, that you... Well, James and Fraser, thanks very much. Um, And thank you very much for listening. Now, we also have a special Platinum Jubilee offer for podcast listeners. So for this week only, we're offering you the chance to subscribe to 10 weeks of the magazine in print and online for just £1. Not only that, we'll also be sending you a commemorative tea towel to celebrate this historic moment. So subscribe at spectator.co.uk forward slash jubilee. Hurry though, this offer is only here for this week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Coffee House Shots. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a rating and review. And to keep up to date with the world of Westminster, sign up for Unrivaled Insight and Analysis with Isabel Hardman's Evening Blend newsletter, delivered to your inbox every weekday evening. Sign up at www.spectator.co.uk forward slash evening hyphen blend.